Hello and welcome to the All or Something Living Podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Kepler, and I'm a recovering perfectionist who made the choice to swap rigidity and impossibly high standards for joy, ease, and flow. Now I'm on a mission to boldly build an impactful, insanely successful business and to help other women do the same. So if you're ready to up-level and step into the next version of yourself, then join me as we commit to imperfectly designing the business and life of our dreams. Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 95 of the All or Something Living Podcast. We are almost up to 100 episodes, and I'm thinking of doing something special for the 100th episode. I'm just not sure what that is. So if you have any fun ideas for me or something maybe you've heard on another podcast or um, just anything, just let me know. I'm always free to talk over on Instagram at Lauren M. Kepler, and I really love connecting with you guys there because I feel like... I'm actually like, it's a two-way conversation sometimes versus just me talking to you. And I also like to know who my listeners are and what you're getting from it and um, what you're learning. And that way I can learn from you too. So come over to the gram and hang out with me there. Um, This week, we're going to talk about why your chase for perfection is holding you back and then how you can get out of your own way so that you can achieve success beyond your wildest dreams. So raise your hand if you're a perfectionist, if you consider yourself to be a perfectionist, or maybe even just a recovering perfectionist. I just raised my hand, and at this point, I would consider myself definitely a recovering perfectionist. I would hope so, Um, because for me, it's a conscious decision that I have to make every single day to stray away from perfectionism. Um, The garbage man is here, speaking of perfectionism. I can hear it in the background and I'm just allowing that to be there and not like freak out about this not being perfect. You know, sometimes we'll be in the middle of an episode and something happens, an airplane drives by, or drives by, (laughs) an airplane flies by. It'd be a little weird if it drove by. Um, An airplane flies by, or sometimes Orca likes to make her appearances. Right now, she's just laying behind me in her little hammock, staring at me. She, like, when I said her name, she lifted her head and gave me the squinty eyes. Um, Sometimes things like that happen, and we just roll with the punches here, you know? We realize that life isn't perfect. Maybe sometimes you're going to be working, and your baby starts crying, or you are a mom, with young kids and maybe you're trying to do like a zoom meeting or you're leading a group in meditation over zoom or whatever it is that you do and your kids come and they join that's all part of this work-life integration thing you know life happens um, life is messy it doesn't always look perfect and so we just allow things to just be what they are So I want to talk to you, I want to start this podcast by talking to you a little bit about where my chase for perfection started, like where my strive for perfection began, the core of it, and then where, like what kind of path that it led me down. And I love storytelling because I'm always able to, when I'm listening to somebody else's story, I try and to what they're saying and find myself within their story. Um, and it's funny cause here I am talking about imperfection and my, if there was like a glitch that you noticed, my garage band program just completely glitched out, which has also never happened. So 
I feel like there are just tests coming left and right this week. Because I told the universe that I was ready to level up and the universe said, okay, let's see if you're ready for that. And here I am (laughs) trying to get through these obstacles. So as you're listening to this, um, I forget when this episode releases, but this week was the week that we found out that we are moving to Japan in less than six months and that our wedding would have to be canceled after all. Um, So it has been definitely quite a beginning to the month. But anyway, back to my story of um, what, or as I'm telling my story, just try and figure out if you haven't already done some digging to try and understand your own origin story and how it relates to mine or you know, finding yourself in my story, it'll help you get some clarity on how you can start to unfold and then rewrite those old stories and beliefs that maybe you've been holding on to for a really long time and you're ready to release those and replace them with something possibly more empowering. So my first experience with perfectionism, I remember being a young girl and we were raised in the church And so in church, we were taught that, and of course, every church is different. I'm not saying that if you go to church or you're religious, this is how your experience is. As you probably know, um, every church has a different philosophy. And so the one that I was raised in gave me the message that only God is perfect, but we should still strive to be as perfect as possible. And in order to be received well from not only the church, but from God, you should try to be perfect. And if you don't, that's going to diminish your chances of getting into heaven. And so there's that first messaging that I got. And then I remember once arguing with my dad about something. I was like 11 or 12, I want to say. And I can't remember the exact context of why I even said this in the first place. I think maybe he was being hard on me about something or maybe he made a mistake and wouldn't admit it. But I just remember saying to him, only God is perfect. And he was, he said, no, I'm perfect. And like, it's not that he really meant that. Like he was just totally being a jerk in that moment, but I internalized that. Um, And what he said stuck with me because he was really hard on us as kids about everything that we did. If we raked the yard and one leaf was left on the ground, he would come out and inspect it and dump the entire pile back. Mind you, it didn't matter if like between the time that we finished raking and then the time that we went to ask him to inspect, maybe another leaf fell. He didn't care. Like he would just throw the whole thing back. Um, If I came home with a report card that had all A's and one B, I would be so proud of myself and he would say nothing about the A's. He would just say, what's with that B? And so, like I said, I internalized those messages a lot and I started to believe that my worth was heavily based on my accomplishments. Now, simultaneously, I was receiving the message that my worth was also based on my body size, which is the perfect storm for creating an eating disorder, which it did. And this is actually the the basis for a lot of people that develop eating disorders. It comes with that perfectionist mentality, which is just another reason why we need to overcome this perfectionist level thinking because it is not healthy in any way. Um, And I don't share this story or I don't share this origin to blame my dad for what I went through when I developed 
my strive for perfectionism or my chase for perfection. The reason that I share it is because I think that we have that we have that we all have stories that we can relate to about where our perfectionism developed from. So, and everybody's different in this. I've heard women tell me that their perfectionism came from an overly critical mom. Maybe you grew up in like, you went to private school and you had a challenging school environment. Maybe you picked these messages up from the church that you went to. It doesn't matter, but there's always an original source. And so I've found that it helps to pinpoint that original source so that then you can start to understand, first of all, that it was a false belief implanted into you at a young age, possibly maybe later on in life. And if it is a belief that was implanted in within you and it's not really yours to keep, it's something that you can reverse or something that you can release. And I've had this conversation with my dad. I've told him exactly how I felt. I made peace with the fact that he was doing his best at the time. This is what he knew as, oh my gosh, a what, 30-something-year-old man? I'm 30, and I can't imagine having three kids by the age of 30. He was doing what he knew at that time based on how he was raised and what was passed down to him from you know his parents. And so I'm not angry at him for it. I, what I just recognize now is that his belief system, even his current belief system, doesn't serve me, and that's completely fine. It's my responsibility now then to decide what I choose to believe about hard work and success and really everything else now that I am an adult on my own and I have the freedom to make those decisions. I'm pretty sure the Air Force is doing a lot of flying today because the airplanes just keep coming. So, um, yeah, fun stuff. So, okay, so back to now it's my decision to choose what I believe. And so the climactic moment for me of my perfectionism, which for me the climactic moment was like the moment that I realized like this is big. This is bigger than I realized it was. This is something that I want to overcome. And this came to me around the age of 25. This was after years and years of disordered eating. So I, you know, started dieting around the age of 11, like officially dieting around the age of 11. And so obviously from 11 up to 25, I had been up and down. Like sometimes I was not on a diet, but most of the time, more often than not, I was on a diet in my adult life. And um, then when I discovered bodybuilding, like I was like, oh, I can sculpt my body into exactly what I want it to look like. But this is the exercise that I have to do to get there. And this is what I have to eat to get there. And if I don't eat this exact way or exercise this exact way, that's going to mean that I'm a failure and that I'm not able to achieve this body that I feel will put me like on a hierarchy above people. Like I literally felt this way that this is what will make me worthy because I'll be able to prove to everybody through what my body looks like that I'm a hard worker and that I'm worthy. But it got to the point where by the age of 25, I was so obsessed that I had developed something called orthorexia, which is a very newly classified eating disorder. And it's the obsession with perfect eating, this clean eating that we disguise as healthy. Of course, it's, 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 I don't want to say important because it's your choice. Um, of course, we want to 
value or prioritize healthy eating, but when it becomes an obsession where you're afraid of certain foods, I was afraid of making a mistake. I was afraid of going to parties and slipping up. I wasn't really living a life because my focus was all on what foods I ate um, and making sure that I ate the right things and that I feared the things that might mess up my progress. And thankfully, I got to a point where I recognized that it was no way to live, that I was constantly obsessing over the number on the scale, my body measurements, my daily calorie and macro count, the foods I was eating, the exercise I was doing, and my mind only had space for that and nothing else. Not family, not friends, not self-care, and definitely not self-love because I was like, I can't love myself until I look the way that I think that I should. So all I had was just this tunnel vision in this quest for a perfect body. And I was just like, who am I? Like, I don't even recognize who I am anymore. And so as I kind of said before, many perfectionists find themselves facing an eating disorder at some point in their lives. And especially the extra ultra perfect storm is if you are a perfectionist, if you struggle with your weight and, um, Actually, I think that's the two. I, for some reason, thought there was another one. I don't know. Anyway, so that's another reason why perfectionism can be so dangerous and it needs to be addressed because it can cause, you may not think it's like that big of a deal, but when you see how it reflects in certain areas of your life, it can really make a difference. So the first step in recovering from perfectionism In my case, because when when I recovered from perfectionism, I didn't even know that it was the thing that was holding me back in the first place. And that's another reason why I tell you my story, because you might thinking you might be thinking like if I talk about perfectionism, you might think like, oh, that's not me. Like, I'm not a perfectionist. And maybe even you being a perfectionist makes you think that you're not a perfectionist because perfectionists sometimes don't even recognize themselves because they're so busy um, analyzing everything that they do and feeling like they fall short that they're like, oh, I'm not a perfectionist because my house is messy or whatever. And then like, say your version of messy is like you have two dishes in the sink. That's a form of perfectionism. So you're maybe you're hearing my story and you didn't identify as a perfectionist before because you didn't think you got everything perfectly done. But now you're realizing like, oh, I'm seeing how this is impacting my life too. And so the first step in me overcoming that was once I realized, well, Actually, it wasn't until hindsight. Like, I didn't, I think, I didn't even realize, I think, that I had a problem with perfectionism until around the time I developed the All or Something Living brand. Anyway, so how I accidentally fell into it was through making peace with food in my body. And I can still remember exactly what it felt like to liberate myself from the quest of having a perfect body. It just felt like the biggest release that I had had in years. It was so liberating is the best way I can describe it. And then from that place, I was able to slowly transfer that acceptance of my body and eating different foods into other areas of my life. And so through that, I gave myself permission to not be perfect in my relationships and friendships. So I didn't overanalyze every single thing that I did and said. Uh, At work, I was giving myself permission to make mistakes instead of fearing that every little mistake would get me fired and being able to own up to those mistakes when I made them. 
and school, um, not getting perfect straight A's, and just every other area. Um, And so through that, I started to develop this strong bond with myself and a level of self-compassion that I hadn't experienced up to that point or had been taught or even knew was possible for me. So it felt like I was able to truly breathe for the first time in my life and like I was no longer just holding my breath and holding so tight to control. Now, I was someone who was notorious for being uptight and I immediately noticed myself relax and start to be more laid back in everyday situations. And it was nice because I knew how uptight I was and I had a hard time even being around myself. And so I could only imagine how people felt around me and that caused me to get even more up in my head too. And just a side note, when I'm feeling up tight now, I pay attention to that feeling because it's often a good indicator that I'm holding too tight to control and I'm still experiencing some of the effects of perfectionism. And that's why I say that I'm a recovering perfectionist. Even the whole grade thing has been really hard for me to get over when I was still at UNLV and taking these higher, more advanced classes that were hard. And getting anything below an A was really a struggle, and that's something that I overcame last semester, but it took some really conscious effort. So being able to recognize and address it has been really important for me to stay on track of not being held back from that perfectionism. So once I was able to embrace imperfectionism, that's when my life completely transformed. So I was finally feeling like myself, you know, that self that I knew that I was deep down, like that inner knowing of who I am at my core, what my soul feels like, but never really knew how to access that side of me um, that released it. I felt like I could be real for the first time with friends and family online. I no longer felt the need to keep up this facade that I had it all together. And that was something I wanted to do for a really long time too is to prove to everybody that I have my shit all together, I know everything, I don't need any help, and still, again, that's something that likes to um, to surface from time to time, and I have to just remind myself of, you know, who I am today, who I've decided to be. These trash trucks are, tr- trash trucks are driving me crazy. Okay, so... Um, Yeah, so the other thing that happened was I healed my relationship to food, so I was able to enjoy all foods guilt-free, which never had happened in my entire life. And once I was able to do that, I was also able to eventually prioritize eating healthier foods because I recognized that they made my body feel better. And because I had developed this beautiful, loving relationship with my body, I wanted her to feel better. I wanted to be in partnership with her. But I stopped feeling the need to eat perfectly, quote unquote, all the time because there is no perfect way to eat or to have to choose an identity of either being known as the healthy eater or the junk food eater. And just, you know, I thought that being known as somebody who was like a healthy eater would be great, but it actually ended up backfiring. It was like one of the worst things because I remember being at work in the break room and if I wanted to enjoy, say, a donut or a cookie one day, so many people would comment. They'd be like, they'd come up to me and be like, Lauren, what are you doing? You don't eat these things. And that's 
you've been so good and so strong up to this point. Like, what's happening? And they saw that as weakness. And then that contributed to my guilt, too. So I had to release that label of being any sort of eater. I consider myself a normal eater now. And by normal, I just mean I like to most of the time I like to listen to my body to dictate how much I eat so if I'm hungry I'll eat when I am satisfied I stop eating if food is really good sometimes I'll keep eating even when I'm full or I'll eat something even when I'm not hungry Um, but to me being a normal eater just means not really thinking about food that much like when it's time to eat you eat and that's then you move on with your day And just keep in mind that everything that I shared that changed for me did not happen overnight. It took years to fully work through all of it, and it took so much trust in the process and persistence to go on, even though other other people like felt that it was dangerous for me to release control in this way, especially with eating and things like that. Um, People didn't really understand what I was doing. I lost friends along the way. I at times didn't have support from family members because they thought I was crazy, but I just intuitively knew. I was like, I know this is right. So even though it's uncomfortable and people don't understand, I just have to stick with it. And it paid off. It definitely paid off to listen to and trust myself. And all of this stemmed from one decision. I was done trying to be so hard to be perfect because it wasn't worth the price of it, or done trying so hard to chase my perfect body. It wasn't worth the price of that. And I wasn't happy at the time. Like, I was very unhappy, which is ironic because I had done all of this. I had worked so hard in search of happiness and confidence, because what I had imagined was that if I had a perfect body or relationship or house or life on the outside, if other people, like, saw me as successful on the outside it would confirm that I was successful and that would make me magically happy on the inside. Unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. And what's interesting is that happiness actually comes first because happiness is an inside job. And then when you're happy, you attract the life that you desire. You attract the relationships that serve you and you settle for no less and you attract a really great job because you have this energy and when you go for your interview people want to work with you or maybe in your business when um, you put out amazing beautifully inspired work and like you're just really in your truth and people want to be in that energy and so everything else just follows suit very slowly at times but it does and so what is the good news here then the good news is that you get to choose joy right now You don't have to wait for some abstract destination. There is no destination. There is no when. You just get to decide that no matter what your external environment looks like, you have peace on the inside. Now, I, one of the times that really made me um, understand that this was true, and I can't remember the exact name of the book, but Viktor Frankl Um, if you just look up his name, then you might figure out what I'm talking about. But he was, um, he was, I'm going to totally butcher this. I think he was in Auschwitz. Um, 
And he, like, he just, I don't know, you just have to read it. He had a, a crazy story of just how his external environment during that time was, you know, he was in the concentration camp and um, his wife died while he was there. I forget if she was, because I read this years ago, but I just remember how it made me feel and what it made me realize that if this man could still, like, the only reason that he survived the concentration camp is because he internally stayed strong. And so if I'm like, if he can do that, I feel that anybody can, no matter your external circumstances. If that's all that you have is your internal environment, if that's all that you can cling to, then I think it's just so important to have that and, and just to hold on to that peace and that, um, that feeling. And so, and then one of my favorite quotes related to what I just said also is, is says the gravity of the battle means nothing to those at peace. The gravity of the battle means nothing to those at peace. I've wanted to get that tattooed on my wrist or like my inner arm so that I could, or forearm, so that I could actually just like look at that to remind me when my external environment feels chaotic to know that I can look within and find the peace that I'm seeking. So let's say that you struggle with perfectionism and you're ready to take the next step into becoming an an imperfectionist. What would be your first step? I would say definitely give yourself, start with permission to be flawed and make mistakes. And I know that sounds really simple, but really just take it in and think about it because oftentimes we wait for permission to do the things that we want to. Like we wait until somebody confirms that it's okay for us or until we tell ourselves that it's okay. So maybe... Ideally, you think, well, of course, it's okay for me to be flawed and make mistakes, but you don't really treat yourself that way. So really, really let that sink in that you are allowed to be flawed and to make mistakes. Not your Aunt Debbie or your cousin or or your best friend or whoever. Like, don't transfer this onto somebody else and that you'll accept it from them, but not yourself. You are no different than them. If you allow them to make mistakes, if you forgive them easily, give that same forgiveness to yourself. And if you know how to forgive them, then that means that you know how to forgive yourself. So take a deep breath right now and just sigh it out. And just say to yourself, I give myself permission to be human and make mistakes. I won't always get it right, and that's part of my journey. So repeat after me. I give myself permission to be human and make mistakes. I won't always get it right, and that's part of my journey. And if you need to write that down and use it as a mantra or a reminder every day, put it on your mirror, do that. So now you might be listening to this resonating and wondering, okay, I've given myself permission. Now what's the next step? Like, I really want to dive into the tangibles of this. So if you want to start really making bigger shifts, then the next step for you is to grab my free audio training and roadmap that teaches you the four steps that you can take to begin designing and building the life and business you've always dreamed of but that you felt like you had to be perfect in order to make it happen. So the good news is that your process gets to be messy 
And despite that, you get to continue taking imperfect action and doing your best to learn and grow from each fumble, barrier, and roadblock that you face. You have the resilience to get through it all. And if you don't feel that you have that yet, you will definitely build it through persistence. So if you're loving the podcast, I just ask that you leave me a review wherever it is that you listen. I put a lot of love and a lot of heart into this podcast And because I don't get paid actual money for doing it, then reviews are the way of exchanging the value that you get from here. Reviews are the way that you pay me and that you say, hey, Lauren, I really am getting value out of this. Thank you. And then the more that you leave reviews or that people review, then the more people that the podcast reaches, and that means the more lives that we change. So it's a win-win no matter what. Alrighty, my darling, I have loved talking to you this week as always, and I can't wait to hop on here and chat with you again next week. But until then, just remember that you are enough and you are doing enough.